This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. We are joining Manny. I'm just literally going to hop right into this. <laughs> Who I discovered on TikTok is uh, doing a pretty epic journey. He's kayaking from the headwaters of the mighty Mississippi all the way down to New Orleans, which that's quite the trek. And as I believe you're still in Minnesota, is that correct? Yep, and uh, we'll be for quite a while, honestly, at least a few weeks it seems, at the rate I'm going. Yeah, I mean, via kayak, that's going to take a long time. <laughs> so where I'm are fun. you right now? I'm in uh, Grand Rapids. Okay, you are I... in Grand Rapids, all right. Yeah, and I can report there are no rapids here. <laughs> they're not. They're they're neither rapids or are they grand? <laughs> you will you will encompass a few rapids though in your trip, like that. I can tell you. Yeah, you know, I did I did hit a couple uh, class one rapids out of Itasca the first two days. One of them was kind of interesting. The other one was the water was high enough it just kind of went right over the rocks. Yeah, but you're not gonna. You shouldn't experience anything too crazy. Honestly, it's probably. I don't think you're gonna see anything over class one. To be honest, it's. Right. But yeah, there. Are, it's pretty rocky stretch, or there's some pretty rocky stretches, I should say, between uh, Grand Rapids and the Twin Cities. But, and then the dam take care of the rest. That's right. That's exactly it. So let's start at the beginning. Like, what? What? Uh, where are you from? I'm from Cleveland. Okay, I could I could tell you weren't from Minnesota by the way you're <laughs> pronouncing local things. 
<laughs> which is fine. Totally forgive yeah. you for that. It's totally understandable. Yeah. We got some crazy, crazy names. Um, so yeah. So how did this, how did this come about? Well, you know, it started as a twinkle in my eye about 10 years ago. I went to Ohio university and it's on the Hawking river, which goes into the Ohio, which then goes to the Mississippi. And that's probably the first time I gave even a thought of, you know, where does this water go? And, um, I, that thought became the idea of a bigger adventure. When I was a junior in college, summer before senior year, I rode a bicycle across the United States. And so that kind of started with the adventure bug for me and thinking about what type of expeditions were possible. And I really fell in love with long distance traveling across the United States on that, that cycling trip. So the the cycling trip was from where to where? That was from uh, Virginia to Oregon on what's called the Trans America Trail. And what that is, there's a, a group called Adventure Cycling and they kind of publish maps on a on a route. In nineteen seventy six, a couple of National Geographic photographers for the bicentennial rode from Alaska down to Oregon. They hit the coast oh at Florence. Um, and then they went over to Yorktown, Virginia. That's where the monument is there. And so I took their route, but I went from east to west. And then I made it to Seattle. I didn't go into Alaska. I had to go back to school. I wish I could have. You know, that, <laughs> I wish I could have kept going. That, wow. That's out there is a journey. Holy smokes. Um, yeah. That's, that's insanity. How is- and that, cross, that route crosses at Chester, Illinois, crosses the Mississippi, home of Popeye. So I did stop there on that cycling trip, and I'll be back through. Huh. I mean, how was that biking over the Rocky Mountains? Good Lord. That you know, sounds, uh, that sounds terrible. Well, <laughs> if I'm being honest, or not, the Appalachians were, were the harder part. The, the Rockies were pretty well graded, so okay. it's a nice casual incline. Okay, out a lot of switchbacks. West, yeah, Western Virginia, Eastern Kentucky, brutal. Hmm. It's like they put the pavement right over top of the hills. Oof. And so you just kind of up and down, up and down. I don't. It's very steep grades stuff that you don't really see through the rest of the country. I mean, until you get to like some places, I mean, you get rural enough places to just throw the roads back over. But, but this was most, the route was mostly country roads, but U S highways as well. No, no real interstates. Although I did have to go across I 80 in Wyoming. Okay. Uh, so that was interstate cycling, which, isn't recommended, but there's not a lot. There's not much you can do. It's either that or the dirt. <laughs> right. So. Or just cutting across the prairies. Uh, yeah. Wow. That's that's nuts. So you must be in very good shape because the cycling is going to come in um, handy with that pedal kayak you have for certain spots yeah. of the Mississippi. And I would say the vast majority of it. I mean, it's not a very fast river. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's going to help out a lot. Uh, I mean, certainly by the time I get to St. Louis, I mean, I hear I hear you know mixed reviews about when and where the river slows down, but there's definitely going to be points where, I mean, it's just not moving, and you got to the only distance you're covering is what you can move yourself. So that's where the pedal motor is really going to help save my upper body and and redistribute some of the work. 
Yeah, once you reach Lake Pepin in um, southern Minnesota, the Wisconsin border, that's a that's a big lake. It's a, I mean, obviously it's it's a, an impoundment, but it's it's huge. <laughs> and I don't think there's going to be much current that's going to be helping you there. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. But obviously I'm you're not looking forward to. It. Yeah, I was going to say obviously it, this doesn't deter you. This doesn't, this doesn't bother <laughs> yeah, you. You wouldn't have done this. Right part of the adventure and when did you start uh two weeks ago so, okay all right uh, so it's pretty timely yeah. with the way your tiktoks have been coming across my feed i wasn't sure one of the things yeah, that kind of confused me I, i'm i think i corrected you on one of your tiktoks i don't know if you saw the comment but in there you mentioned that you saw the um the monticello or you said i think you called it monticello uh power yeah. plant <laughs> which is definitely not the monticello power plant because that's much further down the mississippi um, downstream of St. Cloud yet, and you're you are nowhere near that. So you, yeah, I'm a couple hundred miles away at least. So. Yes, yeah. yeah. So you saw a different power plant, or the, yeah, or the paper mill. Which uh, yeah, be. you know, I don't, I don't. I mean, I in Grand Rapids now. I, I've walked past what I believe to be the paper mill. There's like paper mill reservoir and stuff. So it was, it was probably in Cohasset. There's um, you know, three three stacks power yeah. plant I, you might have said it was a coal plant i remember what plant is up there now it, it, there might yeah i'm sure there is a power plant up there i'm just not coming it's to, like um, to mind right now it's but it's a black water lake might have been sure. on the map okay and what's pretty cool i've watched the water change a few times right like itasca it's pretty clear mm-hmm. um really clear and the in the bottom of the river is stones it's not the sediment that you used to. And then once you get to maybe 15 miles west or south of uh, Bemidji, it gets real cloudy, almost brown, like you would expect the Mississippi. But then Bemidji, it goes clear again. And it's clear from Bemidji all the way through Cass, another 12 miles of clear. Then you get about halfway into Lake Winnie and the water noticeably changes to uh, like a green uh like almost algae type look to it and uh, that's where the flies showed up and then the river ever since then has kind of had a, a color to it but then particularly outside of that that power plant i saw on the map they called it black lake and it really wasn't much of a lake it was really just a river um and so sure enough yeah this water is it almost does look black uh, yeah, so it's interesting very, to see kind of a change. Tea, tea coffee color. That's kind of what you're going to experience for the most part till you get really into the metropolitan area, Twin Cities metro area. And then it then it kind of turns brown, and then it's going to be brown for the the rest of your way. Um, yeah. So you're you're in Grand Rapids. Are you still above the dam? I'm uh, above the Grand Rapids one, but uh, past the. Pokegama. That's called Pokegama. Yep, that's right. Yep. Pokegama. 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 Yep. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. So I got to that one. Okay, so and then, you, uh, did you go across Pokegama? That's a pretty good-sized lake, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got a campground there. There's a beautiful, beautiful campground there. Very nice. It's basically RV camping. Sure. All the tent sites have power, but they've got a nice shower, and it's well-maintained, and it's only a couple-mile walk to Grand Rapids. Nice. Very nice. 
All right. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. We're caught up to kind of where you're at. Um, as food wise, like you, I think I watched one, like you, you have a dry bag with you and have some of your foods. Are you doing like dehydrated meals, kind of stuff like that? MREs? Or are you supplying a, along the way? Few. So I have been pretty much relying on mac and cheese, cliff bars, pop tarts. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple things. Certainly like Sour Patch Kids love those gummies. Ooh, I, so I also, I've also walked across America. I did the Pacific Crest Trail and that took six months. And the diet that I used for that is pretty much the same as what I'm doing here. It's kind of where I got comfortable with it. It's just kind of these simple, simple carbohydrates and sugars. They digest easily. You don't feel weighed down. And it's a lot cheaper than the dehydrated meals, which are like 12 bucks a pop. Sure. So instead of spending three grand on this trip for dehydrated meals, I'll probably spend yeah, a thousand, maybe a little less on food. Okay. Um, for, yeah, just you know, simple boxed noodles and the, the snacks. And are, like I said, are you supplying along the way? Or have you set up supplies? Cause I know I talked to somebody who did um, like a float trip before and like a, a, a boat and they set up certain places where they actually shipped food to themselves or no, you know, it, was, it was a camp. No, I think it was a hiker that was doing that along like the Appalachian trail. And then you'd get to a certain place and there'd be like a care package there for you. That is, it is very common. I would say, at least nine out of 10 people do that. If not more, certainly on the Pacific crush trail, which I did on the cycling trip, I just ate fast food. I didn't even cook at all. Like mm-hmm. if I could get into it, cause I could cover by the end of the cycling trip. So I did 40, 200 miles there. I was doing 70 miles a day. So it's easy enough to get to somewhere where you can eat food multiple times a day. On the PCT. It's more remote and it's, it's actually similar, more similar to the Mississippi where I'll definitely go for, days without even the possibility of getting food somewhere so i just load up on um the food that i can now with the pct so you see with the hiking community care packages are very common and so people ship these boxes to um post offices and they'll store them for them uh i never did that it just didn't seem necessary it's just, um, I mean, there's an immense amount of planning involved in that and uh, procuring the packages and, and shipping them out. So I'm just kind of, for that, I would just buy food as I went. For this, although I am in towns like Grand Rapids, and in theory, I could buy a bunch of food and then walk it back two miles. Instead of doing that, I just loaded my kayak up with food. So I probably got, even now, still probably 30 days worth of food on my boat. Hmm. Um, we'll be it's going to take sorry, longer. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, sorry. It's going to take me a lot longer than 30 days. At some point, I will have to start adding food back in. But I was just kind of taking the approach of, look, let's just load this thing up with food. Let's start, and we'll figure it out along the way. Huh. Do do you take advantage of like you're going to come into a few river city towns that have like the town is like literally right there. Like you could tie up to a dock and walk across to a bar restaurant and have a cooked meal. Or is, is that in your plan at all or you just don't really? Yeah, I would love to do that as that happens. It just hasn't been the case yet. OK, yeah, um, there will be there. I you, you there will be <laughs> there will be that opportunity. I don't know if it fits yeah. in your schedule. Like maybe you just started your day and you're like, oh crap, there's a restaurant, and, but I don't want to stop. And the next thing you know, you're in the middle of nowhere. But 
Right. Yeah, I um, I'm looking forward to that. That's part of what I really enjoy about this. Yeah, I'm not on a I'm not on a regimen of I got to be somewhere by some date. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm interested in your middle of nowhere spots, you know. So I'm pretty familiar with Minnesota. So you yeah, know, even your the earlier TikToks when you were kind of you know pushing over the rice and stuff like that, and it's like yeah, I, I kind of expected you to have to do that. You know, I'm familiar with that terrain. Um, I've always been curious about those like the in-between spots, like once the Mississippi gets big, you know, like where barge traffic starts taking place. And like, I have very limited experience of being on the river where there's just, how am I trying to say? Like I've been on it enough in certain spots, like pool four and five, where it's like, there's long stretches of like, just nothing. Like it's just river and trees, you know? No, right. no houses, no, you know, you go through big park systems and wildlife management areas. And it's like that whole like adventure spirit part of me just like really starts to come out. It's like, God, I wonder what that's been, would be like to the point that I've talked about, like when I retire, definitely not kayaking it, but I thought it'd be really cool to take like a houseboat all the way down to New Orleans, you know? Oh, just, heck yeah. And just you know, have a fishing boat tethered behind it and you reach with no time frame, right? You reach a certain area, maybe you reach a little community that you really like and you're like, oh, I think we'll hang out here for three, four days or whatever. And then whenever you feel like unmooring, then you just continue on down. I think that would just be so cool to see these river towns that people probably have never heard of, you know? So there's a book I've been listening to, I'm almost done, about the Mississippi called Wicked River. And talked about how much of uh, an integral part of American history and even American tourism for a moment in time that the Mississippi River played. I mean, he talked about when Abraham Lincoln was in his 20s, he took a flatboat down with his friends from Illinois all the way to New Orleans. And it was such a common adventure for people to take these houseboats um, because the at that time before the civil war, nothing was coming up the river. There weren't steamboats. Everything was coming down. If something was coming down is because people were bringing supplies or bringing sure. something useful to new Orleans instead of coming up from new Orleans, which is so interesting. And these hmm. people would, would these guys would float down there. And what was interesting when they got there, they didn't really have a way to get back. So they might have to walk home or, uh, <sighs> or maybe they stay there and they dismantle their houseboats because nobody's going to buy them when you get there. It's just kind of a one way trip. Um, so you should definitely think about that. The Mississippi, you can do it for a long time. I don't know where it really opens up where you'd be able to do it continuously, but there's certainly a point. Oh, I, I, that point is pretty much St. Paul. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, that's a pretty long way. You can that's, pretty much do the whole darn yeah, thing. In fact, once you get, um, so once you get downstream of the Ford dam, that's pretty much it. That's where barge traffic kind of starts. Yeah, and wherever there's barge traffic, then you can go all up and down the whole way, which is which is a long way, you know. That's many many a states, thousand, a thousand miles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. What's your estimated time for this? Like, uh, it it, see, it seems closer to three months than two at this point. Yeah, well, yeah, you got. So, I mean, with the river smaller, you know, you have more switchbacks and more. Like you said, you you were flowed north before you could even head back south. Um. 
so you're kind of backtracking a little bit. And then even within Minnesota, you know, it takes a little another detour, kind of goes straight south to St. Cloud, then angles over southeast before it really starts dividing states. I guess is the best way I can put it. And then it's that's pretty much a straight shot at that point. Like it doesn't deviate too much just looking at the map. But yes, it seems like most people take about um you know 60 70 days it just depends what kind of boat they're using and right how many times they stop along the way but uh and what time certainly what season i'm i'm a little on the later side not certainly not the latest person to leave people have left left as late as august like late august so which should be fine really i mean weather wise you'll be man warm up as you go yeah you'll be well out of minnesota before you have to worry about it being cold so i feel like you gave yourself a pretty good cushion there um i'm not sure how much you how familiar you are of like the river systems or how much of like like do you do any other kind of outdoor stuff and you bike and obviously kayaking but do you any like the sporting stuff like fishing or hunting do you any of that kind of stuff at no all? No, not, uh, you know, not against it. just hasn't been sure. a part of my life. Um, I'm a little surprised that you don't have a fishing pole with you. Just just a little <laughs> bit. Like, you, I mean, it wouldn't, it seems like it'd be a, a pretty quick, easy way to, to maybe get a fresh fish meal. <laughs> I, right. So I do have, uh, I do have a collapsible rod. Oh, okay. And a net, but in a little box, you know, uh, bait and tackle box, but. I don't have the licenses yet. I, I really just wanted to start. And then I was like, because logistically you cross so many different states. Uh, I'm not quite sure which licenses are relevant, how to procure them. But I'm sure a lot of this is online nowadays. Yeah. I mean, even At Minnesota, point, I think you can get one online, you know. Yeah. A one I believe day it. or a three day license or something like that. So I, I probably will at some point. I just wanted to get out here. I, I was, um, before this, I've been working for myself the past really almost four years now, remodeling houses. I was an engineer before that, but I was in Seattle remodeling a house. It took me a couple months longer than I had hoped. So it's kind of running out of summer and it's like, Hey, if you're going to make it happen this year, you got to go. So, um, I just kind of went with what I needed to start. And you know, fishing will probably become a part of it, but just have I have the time to figure that out. Yeah. Well, I will later. say your your best fishing is going to be in this state, and it's going to be in the upper half of this state, the northern half for sure. It's going to be your best fishing. In fact, I would I would dare say your best fishing spots from are going to be from pretty much where you're at in Grand Rapids. Um, well past St. Cloud, I suppose. So until you really hit the big dams in down by the Twin Cities, that's pretty can be pretty good fishing. Good. Well, yeah, I've seen I've seen boats. I've seen guys. I saw a guy push a, pull a fish out of the water out mm-hmm. of uh, Little Lake Winnie. Um, so I see a lot of them. You know, maybe you inspired me. I'll uh, rest up and and maybe give it a try. Yeah, plenty of plenty of northern pike, plenty of smallmouth bass. Uh, I might even find a walleye or two. All all great table fare so similar if fish to what's in lake erie so like. yes yes very similar yep yep and there's yeah muskies which i believe are in lake erie um those are also in 
our waters. Um, don't know how many bluegills and crappies you'll find in the Mississippi River itself. In the lakes, you will definitely have them in uh, more of the weedy spots, but and then largemouth bass too. So yeah, all the all the all the usual suspects. Freshwater, the big freshwater names are that you would have in Ohio. You're gonna have here too. You won't find any of the the salmonids in the Mississippi River. There, no trout, no salmon, nothing like that. As far yeah, as I, I how far uh, how far do those travel uh, in the U.S.? I, I, are there are there salmon locations in the lower 48? Oh yeah, absolutely. So the Great Lakes has them, and so a lot of the tribu- tributaries of the Great Lakes will have them, and then uh, the West Coast and East Coast will have their um, saltwater tributaries, which will all have some sort of fish run in fact like the um steelhead and salmon run all the way into idaho which i think just blows my mind that's such a long trek for such a, a fish to swim I, just to spawn it, <laughs> it's like, it's, there's a uh, spot is fascinating to me at least there's a, a lake in in washington uh called lake stahican or stahican lake uh so oh, oh lake chelan and the town on Lake Chelan is Stahican. What's interesting about Stahican, it's a town of about 30 people, maybe a few hours east of Washington. You can only get, or east of Seattle, you can only get there by plane, foot, or boat. There's no roads into this town. And there's, there was a landslide. It's the North Cascades region, and there's a national park there, North Cascades National Park. There's a landslide, and uh, one of the bus drivers at the park was telling me salmon were trapped when this uh, piece of water used to go through to the Pacific Ocean, uh, the salmon were trapped. And so there's like this, just this stretch of water out there where there's just salmon swimming Hmm. and they got nowhere to go. They're just kind of trapped inland. Landlocked salmon. Huh, interesting. Yeah, you have to check that out. Naturally landlocked salmon. Yeah, I will look at that. That sounds very interesting. Because there's quite a few lakes that will, they have stocked fish you know whether it be trout or, or salmon lake trout something like that but naturally occurring like lake trout fish not lake trout but trout that are in lakes doesn't really occur that often well like brown yeah. trout aren't even native to this continent so they're from germany but they're all over the world oh. even in argentina I think, interesting I think so in this New like Zealand. Big, is this a big uh fishing channel what's your guys main yeah so topic? i well i kind of do everything but it is definitely mostly fishing and hunting for my for my podcast um i do a lot of foraging myself too so i've had a couple foraging um topics but that's pretty small there's not that many people um really seeking out as far as i know foraging for <laughs> so you're talking about like like mushrooms yeah and berries? mushroom hunting berries wild greens yeah for sure yeah i've been there where was I at? On the Mississippi, I, I met a guy. Um, I had to look at the map. It was probably my second or third day. And uh, it was before I even got to Bemidji, there was a section of um, forest area there that he was he was foraging for mushrooms. Oh, nice. So it was a, a good spot um, over there. Yeah, I just found a, found a nice um group of chanterelles mushrooms yesterday very bright yellow delicious where, mushrooms where do you find them at uh mixed hardwoods say like uh like oaks um 
yeah, you just want to like a, a, the more variety of different kinds of trees, the better, but more heavily oak than anything else. Well-drained soil, but not too sandy. And now it's time of year to find them. They're mid, they're a, they're a midsummer. They're not hard to find at all. When you find them, they stick out. They're yellow and yeah, they're pretty obvious. They only have a couple like, um, inedible or toxic lookalikes and they don't really look alike like to think the most major one is a jack-o'-lantern which grows out of wood not the ground chanterelles grow out of the ground and they're more orangish than they are yellow they have different gill structure chanterelles have what's called a false gill so they don't like you know your stereotypical mushroom has like the stalk goes up to the cap and the gills start basically right at the end of the stalk where the cap starts the gills or false gills on a chanterelle they run down into the stock so it's that's a pretty distinguishing characteristic of them they also slightly smell like apricots that's the other good way once you find them like once someone kind of shows you or you look on your phone and see a picture and compare them like oh okay that's kind of how i got into it way 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 back when is i thought morels were like you know it's a spring mushroom i thought that was like the only wild safe edible mushroom you could find and then I read an article uh, about these chanterelles, and I just, I was looking at the pictures, and I was like, I know where some of those are right now. Because just as I was in the woods, just hiking around, just being in, just being outdoors, I saw these cool-looking mushrooms. They were bright, so they captured my attention. And so I was just kind of looking at them, didn't think it didn't keep any, because I didn't think anything of it. The eating was the last thing on my mind. And then, it, like I said, it wasn't like a week or two later, I just happened to see an article about it, and... I was like, "Holy crap! I know where those are." Went back, what, grabbed them. What's the prize with them? Is it is it the taste? Is it is it the is they rare? Is this... no, they're definitely what's not it? rare. They taste great. They are one of the better tasting um, ones, in my opinion. They have a very, I can't even really describe. It. It's just a, it's a a good. If you like mushrooms, you would like them. Um, but they don't taste. They have more flavor than say like the store bought white button mushrooms. And then it's just the satisfaction, at least for me, the kick I get out of foraging or even fishing and hunting is procuring my own wild foods. Like there's something very primal about that. Just the very, it's very rewarding. Yes. And the more things I can get for myself, like if I have a meal that's almost entirely put together by my own hands, whether I grew it in a garden or foraged it out in the wild or caught it or harvested it, you know, however I got it, like that's, yeah, it doesn't get better than that. No, it's super, <laughs> when when basically the only store bought stuff you added was maybe some cooking oil, salt, and pepper, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> that, in yeah. my opinion, that's that's what I like. So if I was to undertake one of these journeys that you were taking, I would, for me, I would have, um, I'd be fine in Minnesota for sure, and probably most of the states. But I probably would have done some research on every state that I go through and which season I'd be going through and and doing a little. All right, is there anything I could find? within the confines of this river system that I could use, that I could utilize. And I'm sure, oh, maybe, I'm sure there are some, maybe, maybe you need to go up to the Yukon, to the Yukon river in uh, Alaska. Oh, that'd be and great. you'll have your, you'll have your pick of game and oh, yeah. you'd probably be a lot easier to, oh, I, to, I definitely so. need to get up to Alaska, but pretty much all my friends are like, you need to be on that alone show. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, I know some stuff, oh, but I would not call myself naked a and afraid or expert. Something? Yeah. They say that too. I don't really have too much interest in naked and afraid. There was, um, when I was in, 
when I was in Bemidji, I went to the T-Mobile store to uh, get a tracking device. And the guy said, um, where was I? Maybe I was at Menards. And the, and the guy said uh, a local was on Naked and Afraid at some point. Hmm. Someone from the, the Bemidji area was on like the first season. I don't know if that's true or not. But Could be. Yeah, that. I'm not I'm not super. I mean, I know the show. I actually did watch it, but I have no recollection of who was actually on there. If they were from Minnesota, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah, it was like a hearty. When it comes to those shows, for me, like, I'm 6'4", 190, and I've been that since pretty much high school. Like, I, I just – I have one I'm one of those metabolisms that it doesn't matter what I do. I could have an office job sitting on my ass eating donuts, and a lot of people are going to hate me for this, but – I don't gain weight like, yeah. or I was a iron worker for 20 years. So very physical, got much stronger, but didn't gain any weight. Like I just, they, you know, and all winter long, like me and a bunch of other people, you know, COVID, you start working out, everything else worked out three, lifting three days a week, trying to, trying to bulk up, you know, taking in more calories and more protein, this, that, and the other thing. And after, you know, nine months of doing that, there's zero change. Sure. I can put a few more plates on the bar, but I don't look any bigger. And I step on the scale and I haven't gained a single pound. Like <laughs> it just, uh, I am 190. So when it comes to these survival shows, I'm always nervous. I'm like, these people like fatten up before they go on this. Cause they know they're going to be, you're going to lose weight. You're yeah, going to lose weight. Can... What happens when I'm already not fat? <laughs> Like I don't know that I'm gonna make it. <laughs> I don't have yeah, there's any, a guy. There's a guy I met through TikTok. I, I, you know, I talk about pronouncing names. Let me try and pull this guy's name up. It's like he had done the Mississippi last year, and uh, he left a comment. His name is uh, maybe Guller, Guller Ruds Paddles. I don't know. Hmm. I'll, to, I'll I'll forward you his name, and he he left a comment that he had lost thirty pounds doing the Mississippi canoeing it wow. and uh, he's already a skinny guy. So it's, it's amazing uh, how much weight you can truly lose. It's like, yeah, if I lost, if, you know, if I lost 30 pounds, uh, no offense, I would look like a Holocaust victim. Like I, I like yep. I literally would, you would see ribs and everything. Yeah. It wouldn't be good. That's what, when I did the PCT, I was 165. I'm probably just under five, nine, five, uh, five, 10, five, little over five nine but uh 165 is pretty much held true and when i did the pct i got down to 145 and i looked emaciated Oof. um truly like like there was a point i remember when, when i got to lake tahoe the trail goes through lake tahoe and i got to a taco bell and i just ate so much food <laughs> and then i immediately threw up afterwards <laughs> I like was i was eating say your poor intestines yeah, like, but Never made My it that eyes were... far. <laughs> but you just lose this weight. I don't know where it, it, you just you lose all of it. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Like that. And that's kind of my you know the few times that I've let myself think like oh maybe I could do one of these survival shows and it's like I don't think I have the physicality for it. I just don't think I'm built right for it. I don't have any well, reserves. <laughs> I'm sure you. Yeah. Right. It's just all about um, priorities. Well, that's I true don't... too. I mean, if I, you know, if it yeah. was something I really wanted to do, I'd make it happen. You know, and if you got lucky enough and, and killed a moose or something, or you're on one of those good spots where there's plenty of salmon to catch, and it might be all right if I had a steady stream of food. But if that luck of the draw bounced the other way, I'd be, I'd, I'd be having to tap out pretty early. I think. 
<laughs> the it's being alone part doesn't bother me. I mean, kind of what you're doing is is I've always kind of wanted to do something like that. Um, obviously, not enough to force myself to do it, and maybe not quite an extensive journey, but like a smaller river, you know, where one dumps into another one would have been would be pretty well, cool. Well, the first 100, 200 miles are up here. They're great. Oh, it's yeah. a wild river. It's, 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 it's beautiful up there for sure. It really is. I'm surprised uh, more people don't do it. Even just this particular section, uh, it just seems very appealing from just an American wild river. I mean, yes, there's dams, but it's not like these big city dams that flood everything out. And even the lakes are pretty remote. Like Cass Lake, I saw, I don't know, half dozen boats and I was on a Saturday and, and same right. thing with Lake, you know, maybe there were a dozen boats. You're pretty much out there by yourself. Um, so I you go for days without seeing people. And even when you do see the people, it's just at one spot. Right. The, the, uh, the headwaters of the Mississippi you know, Lake Itasca, that's kind of a, at least a local tourist destination yeah. where people like to walk across the Mississippi, as they say. It's like a, Yeah, it was cool. You know, on the same journey, since I was coming from Seattle, I also stopped at the Missouri headwaters. And uh, they're very different starting points. Uh, one, they didn't have the, the fanfare, maybe because it's in the middle of Montana. But there was only... Um, I don't even know, maybe a half dozen people that I saw there. Sure. And I was, I was there for hours. Um, whereas Itasca, there was like people everywhere. Uh, because it was, you know, it's, it's a monument, but what's also interesting that Itasca, Mississippi headwaters, it's, it's like a Creek, you know, it might be ankle deep, no, no deeper than knee deep right now. Um, but the Missouri river, which is a little bit longer than the Mississippi, um, it's going with a full head of steam at its headwaters because it's the Jefferson and the Madison that come in. One comes out of Glacier. I think the other one might come from the direction of Yellowstone. Um, and it's moving pretty well at its start. I mean, it's, I took a video there. There's a guy rafting. He's probably moving like four miles an hour uh, hmm. on a raft there at the headwaters. So it's just, it's interesting to see these two great American rivers and how they start very differently. It would probably be more of a, a destination if the Missouri would have been, um, you know, labeled as America's yeah, River or the main channel. Because they're actually, I don't know if you're how familiar you are, that there is some controversy surrounding that if the Missouri should be the main river. You know, does the Missouri flow into the Mississippi or vice versa? Right. And it's, it's, it's a contested topic i will tell you that i've read some articles on it and you get hydrolog hydrologists get involved and they're like well the the volume when it meets here is this and the volume that meets here is this but if you think about it as the early explorers moved east to west you know when they hit and when you look at a map it, it kind of seems like the obvious answer is the mississippi because it just runs in a virtual straight line north to south and then everything flows into it well, what's what's interesting about that to me is so, so Jefferson commissions Lewis and Clark to explore the Mississippi or the Missouri to its source in 1804. Well, I think he does it in 1803. They leave in 1804. They reach the headwaters of the Missouri in 1806. 
Well, Henry Schoolcraft doesn't reach the headwaters of the Mississippi till 1832. Hmm. So, you know, we knew about as a country, I mean, certainly other the rivers existed with or without us, but we knew about the Missouri as a country first for a long time. Sure, I mean, or at least the days. start of it, yeah. Yeah, well, the whole thing, right? Because they took it from St. Louis. They left in 1804. St. Louis was a place, and they went, went up river, uh, upstream, uh, all the way to Montana. And they said, okay, well, here's here's the start. Let's get out and uh, keep walking west. Um, and that that's fascinating to me, especially because, so the, the Mississippi, depending on who you ask, might be between 2,300 20 to 2,500 miles. Well, the Missouri is already 2,500 miles by the time it gets to St. Louis. Oh, that's crazy. So, I mean, you, you could quite reasonably argue that the Missouri is another 1,000 miles longer, that it's actually 3,500 miles. I mean, um, I, to, be, to be honest, and coming from Minnesota, so, you know, we hail from the birth waters of the mighty Mississippi. Um, I I've... I've I've heard the arguments, I've read the articles, I've watched the YouTubes, and I have to say that I kind of agree that I think Missouri should be the main river. I, I, I in my opinion, think the Mississippi yeah. is a tributary of the Missouri. There, I said it. Oh, wow. <laughs> we got some earth-shattering. <laughs> like, I think you're going to be on local news. Oh, yeah. So. I, you know, I don't think, I don't think, you know, I'm not advocating, like, changing... Uh, maps or anything like that either. I, I think it's a fun fact. I think it's just one of Maybe those that, like interesting, you know. You know what I should do? I should get I should get everybody all hyped up on wound up on TikTok when they ask you know why are you doing this? I'm doing this because I want to rename this to Missouri. I prove, yeah, I want to I want to prove <laughs> once and for all. <laughs> do oh, I'm gonna oh. take this thing on down to the Texas Ocean and I'm gonna rename this to Missouri River. Whoa. There you go. Uh, yeah, do yeah. it. I think you should do it. I'm in. I'll back it. I'm in. I'm in for the ride. <laughs> well, it would definitely get clicks. That's for sure. Yeah. Are you going? So is is New Orleans your final destination, or are you going all the way to like Venice? You know, I'm I'm open to whatever. Um, New Orleans is is the last big city. It seems like Venice is the last city, and then there might even be some type of structure beyond that. I'm not too Sure, I, I do believe people have gone there, so I'd like to pursue whatever is possible. And um, it sounds like potentially the Coast Guard could get involved. Um, certainly, currents are going to get involved, but I kind of benefit from the slower current of the late summer, early fall, mm -hmm. so it'll be easier. Um, and I'll just you know take what I can get as I go along. I, I've heard a lot of scary things from people but i always have to take local wisdom with a grain of salt like yes locals have invaluable wisdom and honestly as an outsider i almost have the ignorance playing to my advantage to this extent that the less you know the more courageous you can be uh, about things and so maybe i'd take risks that people who are more informed wouldn't sure and uh at this point in my life, that's worked out for me. Uh, no guarantees that I'll keep doing like, that, but what, I don't have a death wish. What I don't dangers? Want to do what, 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 yeah. what, what are the dangers that people are warning you of? Um, you know, not just whirlpools, but currents and undertows, uh, barges, 
either the barges don't see you or you get caught up in them coming from upstream of them because the currents speed up alongside them and and could potentially bring you under oh man um, just, just give them a wide berth they'll be fine they're gonna leave they'll leave big wakes but other than that you'll and I'm fine with the wakes. I'm fine with the waves. I, I'm very fortunate with this boat that I have. This kayak is, has a 34-inch beam. is very wide. I can stand up in it, and it's very stable. I took it out in Lake Washington in Seattle. Big waves. It was actually, they didn't even allow kayaks on the water, and I just went out there anyways, and uh, the, the boat was fine. Yeah, I, so, wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, they have to stick to the channels and the the river in most places that I'm aware of is plenty wide. So, I mean, you could basically stick to the shoreline and really never have an issue with a, a barge, you know, going through some locks, you might be the only issue you might have, um, which that's going to be well, cool. I, I can't wait till you hit your first lock. <laughs> being, Coming up. Being in a lock with a, a kayak is going to be interesting. I heard um, the one in Minneapolis, Lock 1, is only open to recreational kayaks on the weekends. I don't know too much. I haven't read too yeah, much I'm into it. I'm not a I – I can't weigh in on that. I have no idea what the, what the regulations are. I've actually never been through a lock myself, but still got to well, check that we'll, off the list. We'll see. Me neither. So there's only one way to find yeah, out. Yeah, that'll be at St. Anthony Falls, I'm pretty sure. That's what that one's called. Okay. That'll be interesting. I think you'll enjoy that. Um, Minneapolis, where the river comes through, it's um, it's pretty cool, especially if, you, if you're there at night. Um, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool place. Yeah, I've been I've been to Minneapolis uh, once or twice, maybe a couple times, actually. Um, great city. Very nice people. Very nice people in Minnesota. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, man, I'll, uh, I'll cut you loose, let you – get back to it when when do you push off shove off again oh uh, tomorrow morning oh okay great I'll, afternoon you know it takes a while i gotta takes a while to get geared up for the day and and back into the groove but yeah well i really appreciate doing this and i'm glad it worked out kind of short notice like i sent you a message on tiktok today and you responded and it actually worked out so that's uh pretty fortunate depending on you know how remote you can be at times um, yeah, right. Well, it's good. I'm glad that you were up for, uh, hey, yeah, I can do it right now. Yeah, I was pretty much driving <laughs> around like, let me just head back and I'll take care of it. <laughs> so yep. uh, let everybody know where they can find you and uh, follow along yeah. in your journey. This is pretty cool. Yeah, all social medias is uh, not waiting to live. TikTok is my place of video content. And then I have a written blog on notwaitingtolive.com. Um, also, put stuff on YouTube. Um as the trip goes on stuff about my gear equipment longer form content so cool yeah well, it, um, you got my number text me a, your links to all that and kind of that and I'll, I'll make sure to put that in the show notes and i'll when this comes out i'll i'll pump it out there which who knows where you'll be because this episode will probably come out in about a week and a half be a week from friday well it'll be cool to see where i am at that point yeah definitely it's Dale, right? Correct. Cool. Yes, sir. So, yeah, and along the way, if you ever you get bored and you want to hit us with an update, hit me up. Um, I'll be down. I think it would be kind of cool to, to follow along. Yeah, I'll we'll have to re- reconnect when I'm 
further down, get to the the big river, the yeah, big part. Be, that would be I would be very interested to see what your experience through the big river is after going through like a few different towns. You know, maybe St. Louis would be a good place to to connect again. All right, sounds good. I'll I'll talk to you later then. Awesome, man. Have a good one. <laughs>